quite a week. A lot of stuff going on around us. I've thought about how we should respond or talk about it, think about it. Uh, and you know, as Christians, we often we try to take our cues, our guide, our direction from the words, the deeds, the thoughts of Jesus Christ. And so I was reading, I was reading what other people were talking about and saying about the conflicts that are going on around our world. And I didn't see anybody mention this scripture. And when you read it and think about it, you kind of understand why. Because these are the words of Jesus, but golly, they're pretty unrealistic. <laughs> right now anyway. But Jesus didn't always say easy things, did he? and often challenged us. This is what he said in the sixth chapter of Luke. He said, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Dang. Do good to those who hate you. Dang, man. And bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Here in the United States, at least in our modern age, we don't know what war just outside our door feels like. America has rarely fought wars on its own soil. Of course, the horrific attack on Pearl Harbor in 1941 was on American soil. But that bombing over 80 years ago was on a military installation and was an effort by one of our enemies to destroy an American military target, not a home or a hospital or a school. It's been almost 159 years since soldiers with military-issued weapons fought one another on U.S. mainland soil. And that, unfortunately, was a war that saw Americans fighting other Americans, neighbors fighting neighbors, even brothers fighting brothers for the right or not to enslave other human beings. The American Civil War was gruesome and awful, and outside of much smaller territory conflicts, it was the last war among enlisted soldiers to happen inside our country. Of course, we've been involved in other wars since then, but we fought them where other people live and work and play. By and large, we've not experienced the daily destruction and bombardment of our cities and neighborhoods and homes and hospitals the way many other parts of the world have. We've not had to dig through the rubble in a desperate search for someone we love. We've not known the sense of helplessness that comes with hiding from fire from above and the hell that's happening out on our streets. We're fortunate here to see it all from a distance. The closest we've come to war here at home in our lifetime was a massive attack that happened on a single day in the late summer of 2001. 
But when that happened, we vowed revenge. And then we took that fight for vengeance out of our own cities, outside of our own borders, and settled the score in someone else's city, someone else's home. Someone somewhere else felt the brunt and the pain and the fear of our war on their streets. All of us were stunned by the horrific videos and images that made their way to us back in February of last year when Russia invaded Ukraine. We saw the destruction, the death, and the loss. We changed our social media profiles to blue and yellow in a sign of support for the attacked Ukrainian people. We were shocked when we saw worshipers and shoppers and workers and children either walking in a daze or lying lifeless in Ukraine streets. We were maddened by Russia's attacks, not just on Ukraine's military operations, but on their churches and schools and stores and factories and hospitals and playgrounds. The bombs and the guns robbed parents of safe places to go and to protect and hide their children. It angered us and moved and motivated us to speak up. It motivated our own Seth Tuska to do something even more. So he found a way to provide some kind of joy and comfort to the surviving children there with art and with Operation Lion Drop. Thank you, Seth. It's been almost 600 days of that war now. Tens of thousands are dead in Ukraine and some in Russia, and the fighting continues. I received a message from a friend of mine this week. She's Jewish. She lives here in Kentucky, and she was asking me to pray. She has family in Israel, and some of them have been missing since Hamas invaded and terrorized their normally quiet neighborhood about a week ago. I can't begin to imagine. I told Ann that I would pray and that we would pray. I promised her that our church folks would pray. We've seen the images and the videos. We've heard the stories about slaughter and kidnapping and the desperate pleas by the loved ones of those who've been taken. We've watched mothers and fathers wail in agony at the sudden horrible loss of their child. Children weeping for their parents, siblings and spouses and friends weeping for one another. And as is often the case, The hunted has now become the hunter. Israel has turned its full fury on its enemy and has unleashed its own version of brutal retaliation, apparently not just on Hamas, who attacked its citizens, but on Gaza as a whole, the parents, the grandparents, and on the children. The war rages on, and there seems to be Very little intention on either side to keep the fighting amongst the soldiers. BUCC is a fellowship of Christian believers. Our relationship with God is experienced and understood through the tradition, life, and teachings of Jesus Christ. We listen to His words and we observe His interactions and relationships how He loved and treated those He encountered, often beyond what the rules and the laws of His day allowed. We try very hard to do the same here at BUCC. 
And just like it happened to Jesus, sometimes we're chastised for it. More often than not, it's from a self-identified Christian who's bothered that we would dare make room in our space for larger versions of agape love. We're Christians, but we believe there are other ways to know God. And just saying that makes some other Christians and other churches very uncomfortable. Some of them pretty angry. Just to let you know, sometimes I do hide comments on our <laughs> social media pages. When I was growing up, there was this really popular Christian music group called the Imperials. Remember the Imperials? Yep. I was a huge, huge fan of the Imperials, and one of their most popular songs was called O Buddha. Anybody remember that song, O Buddha? Yeah. Some of you. The first verse said this. Well, old Buddha was a man, and I'm sure that he meant well. But I pray for his disciples, lest they wind up in hell. <laughs> and I'm sure that old Muhammad thought he knew the way. But it won't be Hare Krishna we stand before on the judgment day. <laughs> the second verse says... Um, well, I don't hate anybody, so please don't take me wrong. But there really is a message in this simple song. There's only one way, Jesus, if eternal life is your goal. And meditation of the mind won't save your soul. Then the chorus says, well, it won't be old Buddha that's sitting on the throne. And it won't be old Muhammad that's calling us home. And it won't be Harry Krishna that plays that trumpet tune. And we're going to see the sun, not Reverend Moon. <laughs> I know the guy who wrote that song, and he's a beautiful, sweet, sweet man who if he could take this back, he would. <laughs> Russ Taff is a beautiful, loving man of God, and I don't think he'd write this song today. But it is clever, isn't it? It's clever. It seems harmless and cute, and it comes across as a not-so-harsh way to tell those who aren't Christian, but may find God in a different way, that they've made a really bad mistake. And that mistake, according to the song, has hell to pay. Joe Wong, I'm going to share a video in a moment, and it was glitching a little bit earlier, so I hope, it'll, I hope you can get it, get it good here. But Joe Wong is this hilarious stand-up comedian who immigrated uh, to the United States from Canada. He kind of nails this. I'm an immigrant in this country, and uh, when I first got here, one day I was uh, visited by two guys in suit and tie, and they said to me, Have you found Jesus Christ? <laughs> I said, No. <laughs> they said, If you don't follow Jesus Christ, you're going to go to hell. I said, Well, there were a billion people in China who don't follow Jesus Christ. Will they all go to hell? 
They said, no, they won't, because、uh, they don't know Jesus Christ. But now you know. I said, then why did you tell me? <laughs> Funny, isn't it? But he's not wrong. If the evangelical's greatest mission is to get as many people into heaven as possible, and if being ignorant about Jesus is a savable offense, it seems that it would be better to leave the uninformed uninformed. Wouldn't it?、Yes. Doesn't it make sense? Otherwise, knowing about Jesus is a curse as much as it's a blessing. What a terrible thought to think of Jesus as a damnable thing. What a terrible and dangerous thought. It comes down to bad religion. Personally, sometimes I have a hard time with any kind of religion. Especially when it's used as a weapon, especially when it's used to dehumanize all those who don't believe or understand God as you and I do, or as they think, as we think they should. Our scripture this morning is from the lips of Jesus. They're not easy words if you have really bad enemies. Personally, I don't think Jesus was being realistic and This word. I don't know if he thought through what he was saying, especially considered who he was saying it to. Many in his audience had been oppressed. They'd felt that heavy hand of religious and civic abuse. They knew what hate felt like. They had enemies. Of course, Jesus knew he was talking to. Of course, Jesus knew what he was saying. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. He knew what he was saying, he knew who he was saying it to. We saw hate on display when Hamas militants did their. Horrific deeds in southern Israel last week. Who in the world would expect Israel to respond in love? At the same time, there are innocent Palestinians in Gaza who are caught in the crossfire who would never, ever, ever do what those savage Hamas killers did to the innocents in Israel. But now they're targets and victims just by association. And Jesus says, As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. It sounds ideal, but how realistic is it? When World War I finally ended on November 11, 1918, there was a hope that it had been the war to end all wars. Armistice Day was established in its wake to celebrate the agreements that would lead to unending peace on our planet. Then, only 30 years later, the world was plunged into another global conflict that was even more horrific. 
We tend to glorify war, don't we, and those who fight in them. So eventually, Armistice Day was replaced with Veterans Day. And rather than honoring world peace, we were back to honoring war. I want to say that I am grateful for those who serve and have served in our armed military services in peacetime and in wartime. And I feel very, very confident that all of them prefer peace to war. There will always be war. There will always be factions fighting. There will always be those who will see any kind of resolution as zero sum with one winner and one loser. Jewish and Islamic people who are devoted to their faith don't regard the words of Jesus as highly as we do, of course. But both religions do have their own version of the golden rule. They all highly regard the thought of us doing to them, them doing to us. The honest truth is that we can't do much about them, but we can do something about ourselves. We can do something. We can do something about who? about us. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.